0: Hey there, everyone. We are in season two, talking about the placement within a movement. In Ephesians 4, we have a list of five gifts that God has always used and continues to use today. We hope that these discussions revolving around apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers will reveal new insights to all of us. And that for some, we may discover some gifts that we didn't know we had. So, welcome to We Have Permission. A podcast designed to awaken and empower the ordinary person towards one extraordinary mission. Your permission starts now.
1: All right, welcome back everyone to episode three of season two, where we are continuing to have our conversation about the APEST. pest And so, uh, Pete, there is... Um, there's a lot of content here that we're, we're kind of diving into, and you were telling me something the other day that just helped me make sense uh, a little more about how you're, as we're determining what is our dominant strength mm-hmm. uh, or characteristic in this. Um, talk to me about that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty common, I think, for us to believe that we only have one of these gifts, or maybe we don't have any of these gifts. Um, and the reality is that we really do have all of these somewhere buried within us. And it might be a better example to, to, um, I guess an illustration would be is if I threw you a ball and you caught it with your right hand, that would be your dominant hand. That'd be the first thing that you were more inclined to catch with. That's probably your number one gift. Yeah. Um, if I throw the ball to you and you catch it with your left hand, it's a little, a little bit harder, but you can do it. That's probably your second gift. Um, as opposed to your left, right foot, and then maybe your left foot. And then, right. or, then your head, it's like, man, I never, I've never hit the ball with my head before uh, yep. playing soccer or something. Cause we live in a different country than the right. rest of the world. <laughs> um, but, but those five are all there. Right. And so we need to be thinking about, um, that in terms of trying to give each of us a little bit of practice to let those things kind of rise to the surface. And I think that helps me understand too, that God has instilled all of this in there And it may give you a little bit of hope as to the people around you that don't seem to have a whole lot of um, gifts. It's just maybe they just haven't had a lot of practice. Right. So,
1: well, I know we talked a lot in season one about this concept of chaotic tension. Mm, And so um, there is this. There's two different ends of this spectrum. If we're talking about a spectrum that we all have all of, there's there's the right side and the left side. Right. Talk to us again about chaotic tension is, before we jump in and talk yeah, about evangelists.
0: We, we had talked about how we need to start with mission, which moves then to a structured church. And so our left side of the page was more of this chaotic sodality, which is where we start outside the walls, and it's a missional side. And that's where our apostles and our prophets... Really are at home. Um, they're they're comfortable there being pioneers. The right side of the page, which we'll get to um, next week and next couple of weeks, is more the establishment of the church. And this is what we call modality or order, um, and this is where it won't be a surprise to many of us. But this is where our shepherds and our teachers are really comfortable. They're really comfortable with a roof over their head. And they're a little bit more methodical and a little bit more comfortable just in a more, uh, I think, organized setting. Um, but today we're going to be talking about the evangelist. Right. And the evangelist is kind of like this uh, freelance dude that can kind of go both. He's, got a, he's comfortable with a foot in both doors or in both worlds. Right. Um, and so um, a lot of times people will think of the evangelist as this person that's just very... Um, very clear with the gospel message outside the church to the to the non Christian, which is true. Yep. But he's got a really strong role, oftentimes within the church right. as well. And it's been interesting as I've been traveling the country this last year and I've been talking to different staffs. Um, really, really interesting to see that the tension between staff usually is well, this left side high apostle prophet versus the shepherd teacher they just don't see through the same lens but it seems like it's the evangelist that's right in the middle all the time it's like oh i
1: like everybody this is this the great. glue holding it together yeah,
0: yeah very <laughs> it was very interesting to me because i think if you would have asked me before this whole process started i would have guessed evangelist would have been on the far uh evangelistic right. or right. um outside mission ground, side. Right. yeah, the, yeah. The, the, but it's interesting they, they kind of run right down the middle okay
1: all right so Let's, uh, let's break this down a little bit. What are the characteristics of the evangelists?
0: Evangelists are really easy to get along with. Um, they're whimsical kind of people. Uh, they're charismatic in nature, easy to relate to. Oftentimes they're storytellers. They inspire people. They have this infectious personality. Um, overall, people just know that they're loved when they're around, okay. around um, an evangelist. Um, I was realizing too, this was something that I hadn't really thought of until I started really looking for it. But oftentimes, um, evangelists can get away with an awful lot more like politically incorrect statements can come out of their mouth and nobody's offended. It's just kind of funny. Like it's like, cause they, cause they know they can sense that there is the sincerity of, Hey, they they just love me. Yeah. They said something a little off, but I I trust their character, whereas somebody that doesn't have that gift, I mean, they could say the same thing or even less of an offensive thing, and they really get railed for it. Right. Um, Yeah, Yeah, their
1: their love for people just really stands out. Someone that comes to mind for me is actually uh, my friend Nikki, Hmm. who is on staff at, at our church. Um, And she really is sort of this glue uh, between... But you would think if you looked at her like, okay... And she was. She was a high school cheerleader. She was the cute little petite blonde. Um, And you'd think there's no way that everyone can relate to her. But she has (laughs) like an insane ability that regardless of race, color, creed, regardless of socioeconomic status... If people come into a relationship with her, which yep. more likely than not, she's going to initiate. Yep. <laughs> They're going to know that she loves her, uh, that that she is sincere, that she wants what's best for you. And this is, I actually scored kind of high when I took an assessment on this. This is, I guess it's not my right or my left hand, but i if I kind of had a ball in both hands and caught the ball with while yeah, still holding to, yeah. the evangelist would be one of mine, and, it, and I, I kind of resonate with, uh Nikki's approach to things and evangelist's approach to things and that always looking for new fresh ways yeah. to communicate the truth of the gospel oh. in in um in sort of uh in ways that have handles for whoever is listening. Yeah. Um, where they're coming from. Not one size fits all approach to yep. communicating the gospel. Always looking for those parables and those stories yep. uh, to be able to make
0: that God's truth known. And accessible to people. That is, by definition, that is so clearly an evangelist. Which is so.
1: When we get into uh, the the passion and their fuel, Mm -hmm. the passion of the evangelist uh, is gospel clarity.
0: Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's it. Like, like it's funny. Like that's the thing that just really resonates with 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 somebody that's an evangelist is like we just have to get this clear message communicated in some way i find those handles like you were saying that is that is so and for me that's like their passion
1: i'm trying to maybe get away from some of the dogma that people have heard or perceived to be Mm -hmm. what it means to follow jesus um or always looking and learning from other denominations and other approaches and like hey how what works for you how do you talk like there's a bit of an agnostic approach to whatever works <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> to communicate.
0: And I, and I think too, it's, it's more than just, um, a good talker. Yeah. This isn't just a good communicator. That
1: sincerity is.
0: It's, it's like the gospel. Um, it was described to me like this, that the gospel and an evangelist is like at the surface and they're always seeing ways in which it's appro- appropriate to share. Yep. yep. If it's the person that's, you know, your, your waitress or whatever, you just have, it's this right there, but it's also very deep, like it it can move you to tears in a moment because it's, it's very much a part of your soul. Yes. And so that's, that would be um, their passion.
1: That's awesome. So then what's their fuel?
0: Their fuel would be non-Christians, you (laughs) know, just being around. I've got a number of little stories and maybe a couple examples that might help um, illustrate this. Um, it's, it's, it's not the same expression as the shepherd. The shepherd has this desire to um, have compassion and to share, but the fuel of a, um, but the fuel of an evangelist is more like truth telling and it's a little bit more bold. Um, there's a famous evangelist, um, from, I believe the 1800s, C.T. Studd, he's a British missionary to China, India, and I think Africa. And he had this quote. He said, some wish to stay within the sound of a chapel bell, but I'd rather run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. (laughs) And I have noticed non-Christians are such an, they're just like uh, evangelists are like magnetically attracted to a non-Christian. Um, I've had a number of people um, in our ministry too, as they've graduated that I've talked to later and say, i Pete, I'm just, I'm bored with, with Christians. I have to Yeah. have to have non Christians yes. in my life. It is, it is a need. Um, kind of funny. I was down in, I was in Dallas uh, last year and uh, we were in meetings all day. It was a bunch of, a bunch of pastors together, um, ministers and we were cooped up all day. And so, you get a break and you know some people you know just they just want to they just want to take a walk and some people you know um you know it's al- it's almost like this idea that they 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 just they just want to re- refresh themselves in some way shape or form and um, this one dude comes back and he says, I feel so much better. He says, No offense to y'all, but I can't stand with being non with being with Christians all day. I had to go share my faith with somebody on the street. And so
1: <laughs> like he needed to shake off. Like, blah, blah, blah.
0: I mean I mean he went and shared his faith and it just like relieved yeah. him like he smoked a cigarette. Oh, so much better. <laughs> <laughs> so that was um, that was pretty cool.
1: Okay. So if their fuel or their passion is gospel clarity, mm-hmm. their fuel, non-Christians. What's their role?
0: Uh compassionate or uh, contagious compassion. Um we have to remember that all people, like we said at the beginning of this podcast, all people mm-hmm. have all five gifts. Some are latent, some are buried, some are unused, and our culture is extremely sensitive to privacy and to independence. Hmm. Um, I've heard many people, and you probably have to, say, "You know, I just think faith should be this private thing yeah. that, that that we just don't have to tell people about." But how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Like, hmm. if they aren't going to be preached to, how are they going to hear? Hmm. Uh, this is this is a really, really, I think, culturally, we have really buried the evangelistic gift. Mm-hmm. to the point where i think in the name of culture and in the name of um whatever we believe is like the politically correct thing to do we really have as a culture buried this gift yeah and i think all the more it's important that we um expose our evangelists to the rest of the church mm-hmm. so that we begin to i think unbury and uncover some of that gift um in a in a in an environment where People might not even know uh, that they have that gift, but if they're around somebody that they they see it coming out of them, it will actually bring to life um, what's what's really buried there.
1: Okay, so with with each of these, um, we take a little bit of time just to to kind of help maybe some of the the younger, more immature uh, folks in these gifts to to acknowledge some places of immaturity and to grow oh, yeah. towards maturity. So. Um let's talk about maybe some of the unhealthy ways that the evangelist uh gift can get caught up or trapped.
0: Yeah, um evangelists because they're so relational, um they they are very extroverted people and they can become very popular. Yeah. And as we know, popular opinion hmm. um can create a shallowness to them. Um and it's pretty its pretty difficult for a lot of evangelists to find the discipline, to find solitude. Uh, when you're in solitude, I think it creates that depth to yourself, and I think it keeps you grounded. But if we're always with people all the time, yeah. it, it can really create, I think, a, a shallowness and maybe being swayed by popular opinion rather than the gospel itself.
1: Which is good that... Yep the prophet is kind of right next to mm. the evangelist, a so part of right. um, just having them on their left hand to be able to be like always pointing them back to God and mm-hmm. keeping them grounded as well yep. uh, and rooted. Um, I
0: think, too, the teacher would be a good person to be close to an evangelist so that they can kind of help them develop that's, that discipline, yeah, that discipline of, of solitude.
1: Any other unhealthy ways that this can kind of
0: yeah there's two more um one would be the overbearing evangelist <laughs> <laughs> um they can lean into their winsomeness and their appeal, and they can sometimes oversell Jesus to the point of being annoying yeah um we've
1: or lose their authenticity mm, that's true too right like very much so it it is coming from an overwhelming sense of compassion, but at some point in time you go too far mm-hmm uh And it, and it loses some of that, uh, and can be overbearing.
0: Absolutely. Um, third one would be that they don't naturally train others. Um, it's of all the gifts. I believe that the evangelist is probably the most instinctive and doesn't know how he does it. Hmm. Um, a lot of times, um, these evangelists because they're so instinctive it's kind of it's kind of like asking michael jordan to be a coach you know he's probably going to say just do it just yeah. just go be great <laughs> yeah. and, and he doesn't just know be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um so therefore evangelists tend to allow methods to be put in place to get the job done instead of helping people find their own approach hmm.
1: i mean i i mean it makes me just think back to my entire childhood and uh, youth group days, going to conferences on getting trained in evangelism mm-hmm. and evangelism strategies and apologetics. And, and I mean, dude, I went to full-blown conferences on, on this stuff. Right. And yet there was this innate sense while I'm there like, well, but there are certain people who are... Evan- I remember saying this as a 16-year-old, but not really knowing how to... yeah differentiate or, or say who or, or what or why should be doing this because it felt so formulaic to exactly. me that the the things they were asking me exactly to do you know do this survey read, go right. through this four <laughs>
0: four steps to whatever right right and right. um it's, it's where true. we it's really where we get like our altar calls our sinner's prayer revival tents bait and switch events, yeah. random surveys like you said. Yeah. Like these are these are things we lean into yeah. because we saw somebody do it really well. How right. we how and can replicate yeah. it naturally and yeah. then we try to replicate it with some method and it's not being sincere. Hmm. So, I actually thought of one more um, weakness is that oftentimes I think these evangelists are put up on a pedestal. Okay. And they because they're instinctive they they kind of just continue to do that and maybe don't know how to like I said like make other people great in that in that regard so mm-hmm. and a lot of times people will look at the evangelist as the one who's going to close the deal I've been talking to my friend but you got to come talk to this guy cuz he got to come to this event and, you got to yeah.
1: once you hear the way he says it
0: right yeah so and mm-hmm. And we had talked before about how the Apostles Foundation Um creates this atmosphere where everyone feels like they can do it. Yeah. The evangelist oftentimes puts off an air that people are yeah. yeah, can can naturally put off this air that, that other people are gonna say, like, I wish I could do it. Yeah. And I wish I could be like yeah. that. So I guess I'll just have to bring my friend to have him talk to him.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh well let's get to the practical application. So um again we're we're kind of focusing uh for those who are not evangelists.
0: Right. Right. Um My practical application would be this let your evangelists play outside. <laughs> what do you and, mean? <laughs> <laughs> um these guys need non Christians. Hmm. and and we can't just kind of keep them cooped up at church all the time. We we really have to find ways to let the world see who they are and to bring hmm. people with them, send people with them hmm. um, to uh, to experience that as well. I think if we do that, then more evangelists are going to emerge. Okay. Um, I'm convinced that evangelism is probably our most latent gift. What do you mean? Um, I think it's just the most buried gift. I don't think too many people... Are, are doing it. Um, I think, I think a lot of the other ones kind of naturally come to the surface, but for whatever reason, if it's cultural or whatever, I just don't, I don't see a lot of evangelists and yeah. I might be wrong, but that's just been my take. Cause I, I see that there's less of them. Um, and so we need to be walking with them. We need to be exposed to them. We need to be taking them, following that with them to their business or whatever. um, I also believe um, that if we do that, our gospel fluency will improve. Um, If you're hanging around um, uh, a natural evangelist, I think you'll begin to pick up natural fluency or or, or language that will be good in your context. And I think that's just a helpful thing, too. So we we need to be Hmm. attached to these evangelists. Let them run, but also... Send people with them so they can kind of awaken what's within them as well.
1: Yeah. And not try to step-by-step step replicate their process.
0: Right. But really, it's it's their emotional
1: intelligence to understand the unique makeup of what is, who's in a room and who they're speaking with and what's what's going on. Right. And a way to translate the good news of Jesus to each and every person in an authentic way. Man, wouldn't that be awesome if more of us could understand ways to engage our world authentically.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, We believe that this is an important topic that uh, deserves a little bit more attention than it's been given in the past. And so if you would be willing to pass this along to some uh, listeners that you think may uh, benefit, please do so.